thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. Can I tell you guys a story about myself? Is that okay? It's a little bit revealing. It's like mildly embarrassing as well. And we sort of have to go, uh, we have to like jump in a bit of a time machine and go back uh, not like five years because that would be awesome. Five years ago was sweet. Uh, not uh, 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, but 22 years ago when I was uh, just a wee lad and I was four years old. And uh, I, uh, I was in preschool at this point in time and I had this uh, great relationship with my grandparents. It was a sweet deal. They'd come and pick me up from preschool every day and they would take me home and they would force feed me food all afternoon and uh, it was amazing. There's no like abuse in there, but like it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was awesome. And then, um, you know, after after <laughs> after um, my mum had finished work, she'd come pick me up, and my grandparents would say, "Man, Miles eats a lot of food. This is uh, this is ridiculous." Um, <laughs> that's actually off topic, but what I want to talk about is the fact that my grandpa is a is an avid fisherman. And uh, you'd go into his shed, and in his shed, he, he'd have rods and reels, like, lining the building. They're everywhere, because he just loves, loves to catch a fish. And um, as a four-year-old, I look at that, and I'm like, yes, that looks so cool. I'd love, I just want to fish. So I'd go up to, go up to my pop, that's because that's what he call, he's called, I'd go, pop, can I fish? I really want to, I want to fish. And then he'd be like, oh, all right, all right. So what he'd do is he'd, he'd like sort me out a chair and then I'd, I'd sit down on the chair. I'd be, I'd be there just like waiting, so keen. And then my grandpa would like go, go out the corner and, you know, you'd hear this noise and then he'd come like out here with this bucket and then he'd sit it down in front of me and I'm sat on this chair with this bucket in front of me. And then he runs off again and then he grabs a stick and then hands it to me and then he ties a little string onto the end of this stick. And I sit there as a four-year-old having the time of my life fishing in this bucket knowing that I'm not going to catch any fish but I'm just absolutely loving it anyway. Fast forward a couple of years and I'm six because four plus two is six. Um, and I'm with, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Failed school but can do six, four plus two. Uh, so um, I'm two, uh, four, six, two, four, six, six years old. I'm six years old. I'm with my aunt, my uncle, my cousins. We're down the coast. And my uncle, who is the most Aussie ocker bloke you've ever seen, he He's the male version of the old women that you see at Benidorm and Malaga, where their skin is like so brown and like leather. Like he he is that. And yeah, more I can attest to that. <laughs> so, and uh, he's, uh, he's great. He loves motorbikes and surfing and all the stuff that I don't do, uh, but he, he loves it. And uh, he's like, comes up to me, he's like, all right, Miles, 
I think it's about time we go fishing. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, sweet, I'm so excited. So um, my uncle Greg, my cousin Stephen and my cousin Matt, we go out to the peninsula onto the rocks because that's where you fish and there's, you know, we're standing there and all the water's like, like up against the rocks and it's going crazy. And, um, you know, my cousins have got all their tackle on their rods and it's ready to go. And uh, my uncle comes up to me and he's like, oh, let's get your rod ready. And he starts fiddling around in his tackle box and, and then he grabs out a hook and then I go, wait, Uncle Greg, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean, what am I doing? And I was like, I, no, 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 I'm not allowed a hook. I can't have a hook on the end of my fishing rod. You know, it, it's dangerous. Pop told me every day I can't have a hook because it's too dangerous. And so this story has like exploded within my family and it's really a moment of embarrassment because every couple of years they'll bring it up and be like, Haha, you're not allowed a hook, yeah, it's so funny. And just like, thanks guys, <laughs> just keep bringing it up. Anyway, so um, the funny thing is, is that as a young kid, I sat there seeing this hook go onto the end of the, end of the rod and I had this like moment of fear because I'm like, I have to cast that thing. And what happens if it just gets caught in the back of my neck? <laughs> That's really heavy, but I'm like, there's always, there's a, just that thing in the back of my mind. I don't fish, by the way, and I think this is why. <laughs> because there's just this thing in the back of my head that goes, it's just there. What's going on? There's purpose behind this story. I hope you guys know that. So... Um, been sitting there training for a year and a half without a hook, only to be given one and to be too scared to use it. And we are launching a new series today, How to Lead Someone to Jesus. And uh, this, whole story, this whole series is really, it's all in preparation. It's all leading up us up to this moment where we have our Christmas service, which is one of the most amazing times that you can bring a friend, bring a family member along to church because there's this, there's this openness. It's Christmas. You go to church. It's just what you do. But what we want to do as a church family is we want to equip you with a rod and a reel and some line in that reel and a hook on the end of that and to remove that fear and that anxiety about casting that rod out and using conversation and connection with people to share your faith. Um, because it can be scary. I 100% get it. And uh, I remember some of the first times that I shared my faith and I'm on my phone, I'm texting everybody that I know because I have absolutely no idea what to say. But the more that I did it, the less I got scared of, uh, of doing it. So... Um, yeah, we want, we want to be fishers of men. It says in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus comes up to Peter and um, I can't remember the other guy's name and he's like, you know, you've been fishing. Why don't you come with me and fish for men? So they drop everything that they're doing and they go and follow Jesus to go and fish for men. So that's, uh, that's, that's where we're going. So um, I really, um, I'd love to share my uh, testimony today, actually, and uh, it's going to get a bit deep because it's going to get deep because that's uh, that's just me. That's who I am, and uh, yeah. So get, put your seatbelts on, 
Um, I mean, you can take notes about my testimony if you want, but you don't have to. Um, and uh, <laughs> so um, I have not been a Christian all my life. I was never raised in a Christian home. I was raised in an effectively atheist home. And um, I was, uh, yeah, I lived in Australia for my, pretty much my whole life. Um, and my family life was not uh, necessarily nuclear um, in any respect of the word. So my parents were never married. Um, and they were together for 20 years, and throughout that 20-year that time period, they sp split up a couple of times, and uh, it was a very uh, tumultuous time in my home. Lots of fighting. It's, it was never, uh, like, abusive, but it was, a, it was a loud, loud home, and not just rambunctious. Um, so it was very up and down, and I remember there was this time space of about six years where my parents were actually separated completely. But it was kind of weird because I, we had this house that had a, like a bed sit out the back. And my, my mum, my sister and I, we lived in this like front house. But my dad still lived with us in this house out the back. And um, all this is to kind of give a, give a frame of sort of my background and where I came from and leading up to I guess the moment that I actually that I met Jesus, and um, yeah, it was it was it was odd because um, as a young kid, my expectation was my dad should be here right now. We live in the same house, effectively, maybe not under the same roof, but we're on the same block of land. But we never, I saw him maybe once or twice a week, max, and. Um, he would be at home all day, but uh, in the evenings, he'd be out partying and doing all kinds of things. The, the interesting thing is that my parents worked to create some sense of normality, but it just, it wasn't normal. And for me, that really left me uh, looking for a sense of acceptance, a sense of, um, like, family. I'd look at other families, and i go, you guys have it awesome. I now look back and realize now that actually it's not so much like that because no family is perfect. But as a young kid, I'd sit around the dinner table with, my, with maybe a, a family friend and I'd see how people would interact and I'd go, that's what I want. Why, like, why, don't, why don't I have that? And as I got older... Um, and I started school and moving from primary school and into my teenage years. Through that whole time, I got uh, bullied really significantly. Um, it was um, physical, it was emotional, it was the whole shebang. And my, um, that you know that saying that people say where it's like, sticks and stones will never break your bones, but words, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Who knows that that's actually such a lie? <laughs> it's such a lie. So the Bible says that um, out of our mouth um, flows life and death. That's a paraphrase of that scripture, basically. And it's like the words we speak can bring life to someone or they can bring death to someone. Um, and for me, I know it's heavy, but the words that people spoke over me as a young kid really uh, brought 
death to the way that I thought about myself, the death to the way that I saw myself. Um, and really, I was not uh, very academic at all. Um, so the worse my grades got, the worse the bullying got, and the worse I began to feel about myself and think about myself and um, started acting out in all, all kinds of different ways. Um, and really, I guess the core of this is that I felt that I was not liked by a single person. In high school, for about four years, five years, I had, um, I had like two friends, and they were, they were my people, but everybody else was, I was just, I felt disconnected and didn't really have any deep connections with people in school. And then to go home and to not have deep connections with family was really, um, it's kind of messed up because uh, family is ridiculously important. And man, if you come from a, a background and this is resonating with you, I 100% get it, totally get it. And that, um, you know, I'm 10 years into this journey now and only now are things beginning to shift and change in my family space where people are getting together, where it's becoming uh, more intimate, where we'd never thought that it would be, but it's, it's getting closer and closer every day. So I'm so thankful for that. And actually, I really, um, uh, I used to, you know, I didn't like my parents at all. And uh, I see now um, the great gift that my parents are, um, which is, I know that seems dichotomous, but God has given my parents to me as a gift. Um, and regardless of what they've done, they're still a gift. So I must see it like that. So I really, my, my years growing up, the key thing, the thing that was lacking in my life was intimacy. I didn't have intimacy with friends. I didn't have intimacy with family. I didn't have connections. I was lacking community, all of that sort of stuff. And I uh, immersed myself in video games nine hours a day. That's not a joke. I played nine hours a day of video games every single day of the week. And uh, I did that because there was such a void that I needed to fill it with something, but it just didn't work. Uh, made me into a really cranky person. And I think, looking back, I don't think that I realized, as such a young man, how, <laughs> how lonely I was, actually. I just thought it was life. I thought it was normal. And over these years, I've looked back and be like, man, I was, something was going on there, and I was so lonely. I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know, didn't know how to tell it to people, but I had no connections and I guess the more lonely I got, the more angry I became and the more in pain uh, I was. And um, when I hit about, I think when I hit about 15, there's something that just like, sh um, probably 14 actually, there's something that like shifted and um, that anger just like quadrupled. And um, yeah, I would just, I'd be that guy that was just like swearing every second word. If you double cross me, you know, you're going down kind of thing. Like, you'll never hear the end of it. And I was so bitter. Negativity would spill out of my mouth. I know that's really weird because for those of you who know me, I'm not that person at all, at all. Um, so God has done a work. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, and, you know, I was, I was angry because um, my family didn't spend any time with me. Um, I was angry that I didn't have any friends. And uh, that I was just looking for acceptance, but I could never find it anywhere regardless of, of what I did. And when I look at who I was and how I was feeling and the stuff that I went through, I look at me and I go, man, that's a broken young man right there. He's had some serious stuff go on and he's a bit broken. And all of us, every single one of us, regardless of how we've gone through life, all of us are a bit broken or a lot broken and every single one of us needs to be made whole by Jesus. And I'm sharing my story with you today because they're outside of this building and across this city, there are thousands and tens of thousands and maybe even 100,000 or more people who are in this city who are broken and hurting and really in pain in the same way that I was and they have no idea how to get out. They don't because I had no idea. I was stuck and then Jesus came out of nowhere and he saved me and transformed my life. And um, I'm going to unpack, unpack that a little bit more later on. But the, the thing is, is that we have a purpose as believers to share this hope that we have inside of us because there's people like me who need Jesus. And I'm just going to leave it there because if we go further, the, the vibe will just go like this and I kind of want to bring it up a little bit more. No, that was heavy. Thanks for sticking with me and listening um, because this is, this is real life, actually. I can give you a sugar-coated version, but actually that's the person that I was. And if you want to know more, I can, you can ask me another time and I can, I can share more with you. But um, stuff was real crap, I would say. That's the word that I always use, and sorry for swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. <laughs> um, so um, a few weeks ago, we had um, our fourth birthday. Who's here? Great, you're here. Awesome. And uh, we had donuts. It was great fun. Um, I had like three. No, I only had two. I joked. <laughs> um, and what we did in this, in this service is that we launched um, a new vision for C3 Edinburgh moving into this next season. And the vision is this, is to influence the hearts of people to connect with Jesus. Who got a little uh, business card thing that says that thing? You got them, you got them. We have more, if you, if you want some more. The reason that we handed those out is because in Habakkuk 2.2, it says, um, write, down the, uh, write down the vision on tablets and make it plain. So that's why we put it on those business cards so that each and every one of us can take that home and actually get it inside of us because if we have a vision and we don't know what it is and we don't let it get into our heartbeat of who we are, that we are influencing people to connect with Jesus and everything in our church, everything that we do ever will always be filtered through the lens of this vision. So I encourage you, get it into you. 
memorize it, think about it, make it a part of uh, when you're serving, that what you're doing is you bring it all together to um, influence people's hearts to connect with Jesus. Um, and the funny thing is, sorry, Nathan, but this it's not revolutionary. It's not new. Um, yeah, you can, you can leave. It's fine. It's not new. It's not reinventing the wheel. Uh, it's not special because actually influencing people's hearts is exactly how Jesus ministered and connected with people. So we're going to read some scripture. Um, it's in Mark 2, and it's going to come up on the screens. Hello, there it is. It says, while Jesus was dinner, having dinner at Levi's house, Levi is uh, Matthew, just so you guys know. Uh, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and the disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I can imagine the tone of their voice there would just be like so sassy. Like, Why is he doing this? What an idiot. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus sat and ate with people who were the outcasts of society. He influenced the hearts of people to connect with himself. He knew who he was. He was the son of God. He, was, he knew that he was going to come to earth. He knew that he was going to die on a cross. He knew that he was going to raise from the dead. He knew that people were going to find salvation in him and have their lives completely transformed because he died for them. He knew all of that. So his, his purpose was to connect with people's hearts so that they could connect with him and they could experience that salvation for themselves. As Jesus sat with the tax collectors and these sinners, I'm just going to break that down a little bit because that could mean so many different things for people. But a tax collector, basically in in Roman times, um, you were um, basically hired by Caesar to go and collect his taxes for him. And the way that you made a living was basically taking some more. So they were effectively thieves for a job um, and uh, people hated tax collectors. They were well known. They had this little booth that they would sit in and then ca- they, would, they would calculate people's taxes and then have them give them extra and then that's how they earned money. So it's not like they were hidden thieves. They were very public, public people, people who knew who the tax collectors were. And I read into this word, um, read into the word of uh, sinners... And the really interesting thing is that that word is it's not accidental. It's not someone who makes a mistake and goes, oh, whoops, that was bad. But actually, um, that's someone who is, um, who has, there's a um, blatantness about what they're doing. It's intentional. They intentionally um, uh, make bad decisions. That is the way that I would describe it. They intentionally disobey. They intentionally are horrible to people. So Jesus is sitting with these guys that are the outcasts because people really, really don't like, uh, really don't like him. And sorry, them. And uh, I can imagine him sitting across the table from them and saying, "Guys, I love you. You are amazing. You have so much purpose." 
left in your life. Today's not the end. Tomorrow's not the end. There's so much more. You don't even get how different your life is going to be if you get to know me. You have no idea how much things are going to change. And the thing is, the Pharisees, they're looking at the things that people were, that these guys were doing and then that they just judged them through what they were doing. But Jesus saw into the heart of the people and then he spoke, I, I believe he spoke life and hope into every single one of those people that he had dinner with and really shifted things and changed them for him. And really, the, um, as he got to the hearts of people, um, there wasn't some massive miracle that happened where Jesus moved heaven and he moved earth and really big, like shifted things physically. But the miracle that happened was that Jesus actually, he influenced these people's hearts. He himself, he became an influential person. Like he's God, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. So in his manliness, in his manliness, he, um, he influenced these guys' and girls' hearts and he became influential. And every single one of you in this room right now, you are a person of influence. Whether you believe it for yourself or not, you carry influence on the, side, on the inside of you because if you know Christ... The Holy Spirit lives in you, and the Word says the Holy Spirit draws those He desires to Himself. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, He has drawn people around you. You have friends, you have workmates, whoever is around you, these people become your circle of influence. It's a very, I've never heard that word outside of church, but it basically means it's like it's a circle, and these people are your people, and you have a decision whether to positively impact them or not. And uh, that is a decision to be made. It's not a, it's not a passive thing, because you can, uh, you can make a decision to positively impact someone's life. And um, these are the people that Jesus wants to know. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's not some people, but it's, it's that he desires every person to know him and that none would perish. I think that that's so important for us to get inside of us, that when I was talking about our city, is that we desire that none would perish, but that all would come to eternal life, all would find that hope and find that life. So your friends, your workmates, your course mates, these are the people around you that, that are your, these are your people, these are your um, circle of influence. And this is where we can make it a bit practical because um, you can just bring these people into your life. Have a dinner with them. Do exactly what Jesus did. If you run a connect group, do a night where every single person brings someone that they know. You don't make it super Jesus-y, but just have dinner with people and like... Just connect and see what happens and build relationships with people and, and create opportunities to, to get to the hearts of people because that is when we'll begin to see things shift and change in people's lives. So um, I had never gone to church before, ever. Um, I can remember one time where I went to church and the... 
or actually it wasn't even church, it was this weird Bible camp thing that my grandma sent me on for one day because she thought, that'd be cool, I'll have a restful day, he's been staying with me for a week, I'll, I'll just send him off. And um, the only thing I remember was Thessalonians because I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Uh, but, man, I'd never been to church and someone uh, who, in my life, um, they decided to become a person of influence when I approached them. I said, I hadn't, I had, hadn't uh, hung out with them for years. I haven't seen them for years. And I said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Let's hang out on Sunday. And my friend... Noni is her name, and she's amazing. She said, oh, I'm actually going to church. And I'm like, who, who even? Who goes to church? Here it's a cultural thing. You go to church on the cultural days that you go. In Australia, we are a secular society. There is, it's not a thing. You don't go to church. Um, and after a, a period of like talking, talking about Bible and asking questions and stuff like this, um, my friend invited me to church. And I want you to bear in mind every single thing that I just said about how um, lonely I felt, how in pain I was, how separate I felt from people, um, how disconnected I was. And that I just was crying out for something more. And uh, someone presented me with something and I didn't even know what it was. Um, but it ended up being something that completely shifted everything. So my friend invited me to church. And we drove in to this block of land, kind of in, in the middle of town. And it's like this new building. It doesn't look anything like a church. And there's people out in the car park. There's people at the front door. And they're all excited. People are high-fiving each other. There's this like vibe that I'd never seen before. It's very positive. And I was like, oh, I quite, I quite like this. And I started to meet people and them wanting to talk to me and get to know me for who I was, was so um, significant. I can't even put it into words how significant it was someone just talking to me because all I experienced was unacceptance and loneliness. So for someone just to catch me before the service and say, oh, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Miles. Oh, it's so awesome to have you in church today. Like, great to meet you. And then we just got talking. I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm having a conversation with someone. This is awesome. And that moment of acceptance by a person softened me to make the best decision that I ever made in my whole entire life which was actually the thing that shifted everything. And in a moment, at the end of the church service, the pastor asked for, for if there's anybody here who wants to become a Christian. And I was, I was sitting down in my chair, and the whole service had gone past. It was Easter Sunday in 2009, and they played Passion of the Christ. It was really intense, because I don't like gory things. It's not my vibe. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here... And, uh, you know, like, he's like, bow your head. And I was like, better bow my head. Sweet, never been to church before. And um, he's like, so if, you, if there's anybody here who wants to become a Christian, just put your hand up. And for me, I just felt my hand go up. I didn't make a decision to be like, I'm going to become a Christian today. This is what is happening. <laughs> I think 
my heart, there was something inside me that I was so ready to accept Jesus that my hand just shot up into the air. And the, the pastor brought me out the front. He prayed for me. And in that moment where he prayed for me, I felt the weight of all that hate, of all that anger, of all that pain, of all my sin, everything that had gone on in my life. I felt it just wash off me as if I was covered in sand, which I hate, and <laughs> just pour water all over me and just, just wash all of that grit and all of that coarseness off of my life. And I became a completely different person, not by anything that I did, but just because Jesus came into my life. So what are we talking about today? We're actually talking about our church service. And I know it's taken us a long time to get to this point, but I want to show you the impact that our church service can have on our friends and on our family and all of the people that we know, because there's people like me out there who have stuff going on and they need Jesus because he is the solution. Like you could try every bit of therapy that you wanted, but sometimes you just need Jesus. And he is the, it says that, you know, in that scripture where it says, um, you know, you don't make a, a hospital for the well. Could we get um, that, uh, that scripture up? It's, I think it's verse 19 um, or 17, sorry. Yeah, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Like this space, it's like a hospital. It's like our doors are open because there's people who've got stuff going on and we need to open up our doors and bring them in because we need to uh, see people saved and set free from stuff that's, that's holding them back. So that's why our Sunday service exists. Like that's why we do this every single Sunday. It's why if you're on a team, you rock up here at 8.30 because what we're doing is that we're creating a space where people would have an encounter with God, where they'd encounter a real, actual, healthy community that's not in a video game and that's not uh, like in a club, but that it's actually real care and concern for another human being because they matter and they're worth it. And that, um, that these people... that they would discover the incredible purpose that God has for their life. It says in Jer Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, and they are to prosper you and to not harm you. They're to give you a hope and a future. We want people to know that, that there's a greater thing for them. That it's, not, uh, it's not the end. So um, I'm speaking directly to you guys. If, you, if you're on a team Everything that we do on a Sunday morning is about facilitating the experience of every single person who comes in. We want this space to be open doors. We want it to be the most loving and caring space. But what do we want to do? We want to bring heaven to earth because we can have great community and build great connections with someone, but that doesn't set them free because we need the presence of God. And if we just have the presence of God and we don't do any community, then it becomes this weird, like, insular thing that's all just about me and my moment with Jesus. And then if we forget about people's purpose, then we don't actually equip them for the life that God has for them and to turn them into healthy, growing disciples. So we need to do every single one of these things 
in our, purpose, in our church service. And this is, um, if you are not on a team, and that's totally okay, but if you're not on a team and there's something inside of you that goes, actually, I want to be, I want to be a part of this thing that God is doing. I want to build this place and make it into a space where every single one of these seats is filled every Sunday, where we're seeing people come down into an altar call and they get prayed for and stuff happens and shifts in people's lives, where people's hands are raised at the end of the service and they make a decision for Jesus in exactly the same way that I did, then um, love to... Um, just create space after the service. You come and chat to me and i uh, love to just bring you in. We want to do this thing together because we're a part of a team. Um, and we want to see so many more people like me come to church. Like, that's it. Um, because we're not a place, we're not just a place for the well, but we're a place for the sick as well. So... Um, I'd love for you guys. Um, last week, you preached and you said, let's write down um, the names of people that we're praying for. And um, prayer is so powerful. You know that thing that people say about there's nothing more powerful than a praying grandma? Why not like a praying middle-aged person or a praying student? or a praying young professional. Like there is nothing more powerful than you praying for your friends to meet Jesus because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and is effective. So um, just as we finish, um, we're going to pray. Is that okay? Can we stand to our feet? If you have those people on your phone still, sorry, I just using the microphone out here. That doesn't work, does it? Silly. If you've got the, those people on your phone, or if you need to write them down again, or if you haven't done that, and this you weren't here last week, I'd love for you to think of two people who are in your world, who you know are really, they're going through some stuff, they're broken, and you know that Jesus would actually really do an amazing work in their life if he had the opportunity. So, yeah, if you've got them on your phone, grab your phone out and just hold your phone because there's something special about building that connection to a thing. And we're just going to pray just for a moment and then uh, I'd love to ask you guys just a couple of questions. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, over our friends' worlds. Come, Holy Spirit, in their thought life. Come, Holy Spirit, in their feelings. Come, Holy Spirit, in their pain. Come, Holy Spirit, in their loneliness. Come, Holy Spirit, in our conversations and the connections that we build with these people. Come on, guys, let's, let's, just, let's just pray just for a moment because there's people who need Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, because we need you. Would you draw people to us that 
just could have their lives completely changed and completely transformed, would you equip us, God, with the right words to say, with the right things to do, with the right moments of, of practical love, with the words of acceptance that these guys and girls that they need, Father. We pray, God, for just these people that we hold in our hands and we have in our hearts, Father, that there will be something that we could do that could shift and change things. But Lord, we pray that you give us a chance, a moment, an opportunity, anything, just so we could get them in the doors of this place so that they could come in here to experience your presence, to find your power, to find their, the purpose that you have for their life and to experience the community that we have as believers. And Father, we pray, Lord, that that time would come quickly. In Jesus' name, would you soften people's hearts? Would you soften their minds? We pray that people would be saved in this place, that things would shift and change in Jesus' name. Amen.